Coming up next on the Passion Struck Podcast. Because many times if our current environment isn't supporting us, and I'm talking about just even you look up any feng shui or ancient Asian rules of how to even set up your environment to evoke new and fresh energy. The same thing goes for, well, if you're not feeling inspired in your current environment, change something up. If you've been going to the same coffee shop for years or taking the same path to work, let's change it up a bit. And that's where we have a blank slate to start over and to reprogram different neurons in our brain when we say yes to new environments, when we say yes to new things. And I think that is the beauty. Welcome to Passion Struck. Hi, I'm your host, John R. Miles. And on the show, we decipher the secrets, tips, and guidance of the world's most inspiring people and turn their wisdom into practical advice for you and those around you. Our mission is to help you unlock the power of intentionality so that you can become the best version of yourself. If you're new to the show, I offer advice and answer listener questions on Fridays. We have long form interviews the rest of the week with guests ranging from astronauts to authors, CEOs, creators, innovators, scientists, military leaders, visionaries, and athletes. Now, let's go out there and become Passion Struck. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 246 of Passion Struck, recently ranked as the third best podcast for mindset and the fourth for conversation. And thank you to each and every one of you who comes back weekly to listen and learn how to live better, be better, and impact the world. And if you're new to the show, thank you so much for joining us here today. Or you simply want to introduce this to a friend or family member, we now have episode starter packs which are collections of our fans' favorite episodes that we organize into convenient topics to give any new listener a great way to get acquainted to everything we do here on the show. Just go to passionstruck.com slash starter packs or Spotify to get started. And in case you missed my episode from earlier in the week, it featured Dr. Ethan Cross, who's the best-selling author of the book Chatter, and we discuss all things involving the science of conversation. Please check it out. And thank you so much for your continued ratings and reviews, which go such a long way in helping us bring people into the Passion Struck community, where we get the opportunity to deliver hope, meaning, inspiration, and connection to so many weekly. Now let's talk about today's episode. Our guest today, Neetha Bhushan, set out on a journey that took her across 45 countries as she investigated merging the nexus of human behavior, ancient wisdom, Eastern philosophy, and therapeutic psychology. After realizing how confined she felt managing the multi-million dollar dental practice that she had founded, this information coupled with other life lessons about overcoming many obstacles, such as growing up orphaned, escaping an abusive marriage, and suffering a great deal of grief, helped shape the inspirational message of resilience that she delivers. Today, we launch her new book, That Sucked, Now What? How to Embrace the Joy in Chaos and Find Meaning in the Mess, which is a how-to guide that offers grace to the human experience by reminding you that life may catch you off guard, but you can bounce back and even fly forward. Dr. Neetha Bhushan is a three-time international best-selling author and world-renowned emotional health advocate. She is also the founder of the Global Grit Institute, a wellness education platform for optimizing well-being, and co-founder of the Dharma Coaching Institute, a coaching organization training coaches to become the highest versions of themselves. Neetha has shared her thought leadership 
leadership on grit on international stages and as the host of her popular podcast, The Brave Table. Thank you for choosing Passion Struck and choosing me to be your host and guide on your journey to creating an intentional life. Now, let that journey begin. I am so ecstatic today to welcome Nita Bushin to the Passion Struck podcast. Welcome, Nita. Oh my gosh, John. It's so good to be here. Thank you. I love that you said my name right, first of all. So thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. Well, I wanted to congratulate you on this launch of your brand new book, which I absolutely loved, titled That Sucked, What Now? How to Embrace the Joy and Chaos and Find Meaning in the Mess. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I know it's an edgy title. And I think that it's really giving permission to people to embrace their suck and their sucky moments. Well, speaking of suck, we all have moments in our lives that define who we become. How did December 31st, 2011 change the course of your life? Oh, wow. Gosh, yeah, that was such a rock bottom time for me. You think that on New Year's Eve, that when everyone is going out celebrating, there's fireworks, there's planning your intentions for the new year. For me, I was sobbing in my master bedroom in this beautiful home that I thought was going to be the ticket to happiness. I thought that life that I had created up until that point with all of the bells and the whistles. I was a cosmetic dentist at the time. I owned my own practice. I made all of the family members around me, the aunts, the uncles, everyone around me proud. I had gotten married. So I, I fell in love. We got married. And I was at one of my lowest points of my life. And while there was a dichotomy going on, because on the outside, I had all of these amazing things going after me. It was the pinnacle of my life of what I thought was success monetarily and all of these things, the first class travel and all of the bells and whistles around it. But internally, I was not only emotionally distraught, I was also physically numb and I was mentally not in a good place. Really that day was the first day I would say, wow, I am in a very toxic relationship and I need to get out. And I would muster all the courage and the bravery that I would have. And I would leave that relationship and leave that life. And that would be the last time I would see that home and start this new chapter of fully healing all of the things that I had not dealt with a whole decade earlier. And mind you, I was about 29 when this December 31st happened. And I hadn't reconciled all of the trauma that I had hid and put away, neatly tucked, to never be found until it all came bursting at the seams that night. And that was really feeling the depths of my pain and losing my mom, my brother, and my dad all within a span of four years before I was 19. And so that day, December 31st, was just a reckoning and a reclaiming of myself. Yes, I can sympathize with you. I didn't go through the exact same things. I had buried a lot of my past trauma 
that started when I from my childhood and went all the way through when I was in the military. And I was also in an emotionally abusive marriage for a very long time. And I came out of that and about a year afterwards, I walked in on a in-house robbery that was taking place where a burglar actually pointed a gun at me. I don't think I had at that point really processed completely the divorce because it had been 20 plus years and kind of those things all hitting me brought up everything from the past. And it was just this huge outpouring where my emotional cup was just so full that I finally reached this point of hitting rock bottom and then realizing that it was up to me to take control and that I had to build myself back brick by brick to get back to where I needed to be. And I think growing up in a very strict Catholic household, we had this heritage where you don't ever get divorced. And so I allowed myself to be in this abusive relationship. And I think your heritage, knowing what I know from traveling to India and knowing a lot of Indian males and females also played a big role in why it took you a while to have the courage, resilience, and strength to do something about it as well. And I don't know if you wanted to talk about that or share anything about that, because I'm sure other people feel the same way that we both did. Yeah. And I thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that there comes a time where your shame around the cultural roots, the upbringing definitely plays a role in our decision-making. And it's a part two of that Saknawa in the book I talk about, there's four pillars to really being able to create unshakable resilience or the audacity of your resiliency. And what I mean by that is The first part of that, we have to reconcile our upbringing. We have to make peace with it and forgive whatever we were taught, whatever we needed to unlearn, whatever we needed to just make sense of that. Oh, that's why I was doing that. That's why I stayed in that for so long. That's why I never said anything. And many times my mom was actually Catholic. She was Filipino. And so everyone in her family, yeah, it was like, oh, nobody, we don't get divorced. Why would you, why would you do that? They wouldn't even talk about that because for the sake of the family, it was God forbid that you do that thing because you would be shunned out of society. And that's essentially what it was. So much so that I think for a very long time, some members of my family refused to talk to me. And it was only because in their lives, they were holding on to unhealthy relationships that they didn't know how to get out of. And many times when we're starting to uncover our own truth, when we're starting to uncover our own, what I like to call our own dharma, our own reason for what is making us come alive. And it is the magic that is found in our mess if we are open to the magic that's in our mess. And I think so much of our upbringing is based on some of the traumas that our family members had to go through. I know my dad was born right before the partition in India and Pakistan. I know that my grandfather was traveling quite a bit because he was the ambassador to UNICEF. It was a very top position in New Delhi. And so he was gone half the time. So my dad was around 
his mom quite a bit. My mom came from a lineage of pageant queens where they were taught perfection was everything. Perfection, beauty, and being strict about their what and who they were going to share things with. And there's such a sense of pride. So guess what? They start passing it down to their children. They start passing it down to the next generation until somebody is brave enough to say, hey, no, that's not going to be my reality. And I think that was the big thing for me to break that and be the one to say, you know what? Fine. I'm speaking and living my truth this is not something that I am going to tolerate. And I'm going to start to find a new reality because of that. That's the first part of building your bounce factor that I talk about. Get ready to supercharge your hiring experience with Indeed, our fantastic partner. We at PassionStruck are all about seeking smarter, more efficient ways to do things. And Indeed perfectly aligns with this philosophy when it comes to hiring. It's more than just a job site. It's a comprehensive platform that revolutionizes the way you find the perfect candidates. With its powerful matching engine and over 350 million global monthly visitors, Indeed streamlines the hiring process, bringing top talent straight to you. No more sifting through endless unqualified resumes. Indeed does the heavy lifting just for you. And what I love about Indeed is its ability to centralize all your hiring activities. From scheduling interviews and screening applicants to messaging candidates. It's all in one place. During my career, I've hired thousands of employees and I only wish I had Indeed's efficiency and speed back then. And here's a fact that absolutely blows my mind. 93% of employers, according to a recent survey, say Indeed delivers the best quality matches over other job sites. That's quality and speed hand in hand. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit Get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash PassionStruck. Just go to Indeed.com slash PassionStruck right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash PassionStruck. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know all those discount codes are difficult to remember, so we put them all at PassionStruck.com slash deals. Now, back to PassionStruck. Yeah, and I think similar to you, I was facing this feeling of imposter syndrome in my own life because I was trying to do all these things to please everyone outside of me. And, you know, when you start doing that and you start living your life for awards and recognition and this and that, it just has this spiral effect of taking you farther and farther from your true self. And I know this is something that you experienced too. How did that feeling impact your life? Wow. Yeah, I would say when we're in our spiral of ourselves, I kind of liken it to being in the victim mode and in the victim mode where we are constantly judging ourselves, the victim mode of judging ourselves of how did we get into this and why me? I remember vividly when I was in the throes of just the heartache of and pain of losing my mom, my dad, and my brother. I remember that year I was still, I was in college and I was either a sophomore or junior in college, but I begged and I pleaded my grandmother, my Filipino grandmother and my Indian aunt, they were kind of the matriarchs. They were the Leos in my family and they were the lions basically. 
And I begged them. I said, I couldn't go away to college and I just, I have to leave. And I was the caretaker of my youngest brother at the time who was five years younger than me. But I knew in a sense that I had to get out of my current environment because my current environment was, it was so heavy. It was so dark. It felt like I was never going to get out of this cloud of what I was living in day to day of just this constant grief and overwhelming grief. So they said yes, hesitantly. And I booked my ticket to Rome, Italy, where I would be 20 years old for the first time ever. And with all of this freedom to now recreate a new identity for myself. And it was the first time I didn't know a lick of Italian, but I was smelling the wafty air of just Rome. And if you've ever been to Rome in the summer, the sweltering heat, there's no AC. I remember taking an Italian philosophies class, but I was thinking like, why me? Why did this happen? And I grew up with an upbringing of being Catholic, but also my dad was Hindu. And so I was just in this, this victim spiral. And I remember in this Italian philosophies class, we started learning about this concept called Amor Fati. The Stoic philosophers believed that Amor Fati was to love one's fate. That's what it means in Latin and to love one's fate. So I learned early on about the Stoics and honestly, that changed my trajectory and my life of wow, okay, instead of why me, why not me? Because the Stoics really loved all of their circumstances, the hard, the good, the heavy, the tough, all of the setbacks. They loved every ounce of it because it made them better warriors. And for me to have that mindset at 20 years old, the first time that I'm away from family members and grief, and I could actually see and smell joy and interact with other people. Well, the second part of the bounce factor is that I talk about in the book, in the in the part two of the book, is really getting into, well, changing up your current environment. Now, I'm not trying to say everybody should go to Rome, Italy, while it, it might seem like a great idea, but I think that to change up your environment, while it could look like maybe saying yes to a different class, a new experience, a pottery class, an art class, a martial arts class, something that will revigor and reignite the spark in you so that you get out of that victim spiral, so that you get out of saying that why me and then instead moving into the why not me yeah i think that's some great advice and you say in the introduction of your book that none of us is a blank slate and pretending we can wipe ourselves clean only leads to frustration and i think it's a good question to ask why is that based on what you just talked about with trying to get into a new environment because as you said our environment can cause so many things, and it can lead to us pretending that we are a blank slate. Yeah, because many times if our current environment isn't supporting us, and I'm talking about just even you look up any feng shui or ancient Asian rules of how to even set up your environment to evoke new and fresh energy. The same thing goes for, well, if you're not feeling inspired in your current environment, 
change something up. If you've been going to the same coffee shop for years or taking the same path to work, let's change it up a bit. And that's where we have a blank slate to start over and to reprogram different neurons in our brain when we say yes to new environments, when we say yes to new things. And I think that is the beauty and that is the secret sauce. And that is that magic of reinvigorating ourselves to doing something new, to starting something new. And I just still recall that magical time in Italy where it would then change the course of my life because then for the next, I don't even want to say this because that would reveal how old I am, but for the next 20 years, I would then make it a point that I would visit Europe in the summer if not every year, every other year, if not every other year, it would be every two years or three years. But I've been all over Europe at this point, And that's been a magical place of mine. And again, not saying that you have to go there, but maybe think in your life, where else can you reignite a blank slate for yourself so that we can look at something with a fresh pair of eyes? So we can get inspired when we change up our environment. Maybe if it's even changing the way your bed is in your bedroom or the way your desk faces to just get a new perspective. And I think that's really, John, what we're leaning at. It's just gaining a new perspective in our circumstance, in our setback, in our life. Yes. And I have had a number of astronauts on the program and one of them's a Naval Academy classmate of mine. And we were talking about this thing that they experience called the overview effect. And it's this feeling that once they're up there in outer space and they're looking down, they're part of something so much bigger. And he always talks to me about when they would fly over a major city like New York, he would think about the people who are down there stuck in traffic and how their perspective is shaped by the emotions that are around them. But when you see how small an event that is in the overall ecosystem and how much bigger an impact that you can make by just shifting your thought patterns, how much that alters the way you think and how you approach life. So I think it goes hand in hand with what you were just saying. Oh well, yeah, t- totally. Well, I want to jump to resilience because it's something that you talk about frequently in the book, but it's often a word that is used too much these days, I think, by a lot of self-help gurus. But you lay out a new definition for it. You call it audacious resilience. And I wanted to ask, what does it mean to be audaciously resilient? And then how does that differ from audacious self-regulation? Yes. So I use the term audacious as an actual, literal, intentional commitment. Because can we have the strong intention to do something new? Because when we think about resiliency, and I'm sure, John, the way you grew up, the way I grew up, I mean, I was told, Nita, you're strong, you're resilient, you're strong. And when we think of resilience in any terminology, we think mental toughness, we think mental strength. Yet we're not taking into account the literal root of the meaning. If I go back to my Latin class in Italy, the meaning of resilient or resiliere means to bounce. And if I were to take a glass that's tough, that's hard, or a piece of granite and try to bounce that piece of granite, well, we could say and argue, well, that's tough. It's got a lot of 
toughness to it. It's brittle. It's strong. It's heavy. If I let that piece of granite go, it's going to shatter into so many pieces. But if I get a basketball and if I even touch the basketball, it's not super soft, but it's not super hard either. It has a little bit of give. It has a little bit of agility. It has a little bit of flexibility that when you let it go, it's going to drop, but it is going to bounce and it's going to bounce a little higher, maybe a little lower. But the key indication for that is we're not going to just be rigid in who we are. It's really inviting all of our feelings to the table and all of the emotions that either we've learned and we've programmed in our minds to think, oop, I need to be strong. I can't feel that right now. I can't hold anybody else's pain. I can't sit with that because that is too discomforting for me. So therefore I'm going to numb. Therefore I'm going to use my vices. Therefore I'm going to escape this feeling. I'm going to escape this emotion because it's too painful to feel that. So what do we do? We pick up our phone. We activate dopamine. We swipe, swipe, activate dopamine. Oh, I feel much better. We use all of these tools so that we can not feel, so that we can numb. But what I'm saying is feel it. Sometimes we have to feel it in order to heal it. And what does that actually mean? Well, when we are exposing ourselves to a new environment, me going to a new coffee shop or going to Italy, taking a philosophies class when I was pre-med, I mean, all of these things, they are rewiring new patterns. Well, what are they doing? They are evoking good stress and good stress is essentially the secret sauce to building resiliency. Because if we're exposing ourselves to, let's just say, a cold shower or an ice bath, who really wants to, let's be honest, who really likes jumping in cold water? Not me. Maybe on a nice hot day, but not in the middle of winter. There's no way am I going to jump into an ice bucket, one of those cold plunges, but what are the benefits? Well, it's supposed to be great for our system, great for circulation, great for inflammation, great for longevity, all of these things. Why aren't we all doing it? Well, because the act is actually painful. The act is not does not feel good. The benefits are great. All right, well, what if we actually break it down a little bit? What if we say, okay, the first 10 seconds is really going to be painful. But then can we increase our capacity every day to increase and evoke that good stress so that by the time day five comes around, yeah, it still sucks. It's not going to be pleasant, but we're getting over that fear. We're building that resiliency. We're building that bounce factor. We're building our capacity to hold good stress. And then we get into the next part of this, which is our feelings, our emotional capacity to actually feel, which is being able to notice when we're feeling and we're judging ourselves for feeling that feeling and we're judging ourselves for expressing an emotion or we judge ourselves for getting angry. We judge ourselves for having rage. Men are taught we shouldn't express those emotions and women are taught definitely those emotions do not live anywhere. So what are we doing? We're suppressing them. We're suppressing them. We're suppressing them until one day our top is off. The pressure cooker is off. We got to let the steam out and then we're labeled crazy. 
But what if there was a different way to release that? What if there was a healthy way to release that? And I talk about a lot of these healthy ways to release and process these emotions because it is part of that third part of our bounce factor, which is to feel, which is to acknowledge and honor when we know that we're actually holding things in so tight and we're clenching our fists because something's made us so angry and so upset but instead, why not go into the back room or go into your car, take a pillow and scream it all out? Because what we're doing there is we're actually activating our vagus nerve and our vagus nerve allows ourselves to get back in our body and regulate our nervous system. And the audacity to regulate our nervous system is just our intention. It is the intention of us saying, yes, I'm going to take care of my nervous system right now because it needs to calm down. It needs to release. It needs to move through these emotions. We're not going to move through them by bypassing them and pretending, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for ghosting me the other day or thanks for not getting back to me, but I'm actually good. Instead of, because then what do we do? We then act passive aggressively and then we hold that resentment in and we're like, oh, and we judge that person or we judge that thing or we judge ourselves and then we start spewing out resentful comments, subconsciously or consciously, instead of actually sharing what we need. Hey, it really meaned, meant a lot to me when you weren't there, when I needed you. And I really thought that we were deeper in our friendship or deeper in our relationship or deeper as colleagues. And it really made me feel that you weren't there for me. What is going on? To be able to share that vulnerably and honestly. That is part of our emotional capacity to feel. And then finally, our self-awareness, our radical self-awareness to know, am I actually doing okay today? Do I actually want to go to that game? Or is it because we've had this guy's night for the last six months, but I'm not, I think I need to actually stay in today. Or I think I need to not do that thing anymore and get somebody else to do it. That is how we build our audacity of resilience is strengthening our bounce factor. Well, I think that was a wonderful explanation. And this year on my podcast, I've been trying to tackle some of these difficult emotions like you're talking about. I did an episode last week, 241, on the value of pain for growth. And my episode coming up this week, episode 244, is stop feeling stuck. And when you're faced with this situation, it can be hard to feel your feelings and not be overtaken by them, as you were just explaining. And I loved in the book that you bring up this concept of being human 101. And I wanted to build on that because in this feeling of being stuck, you have advice for the skills needed to handle sucky moments. And I was hoping you could share them. Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah. In the first part of the book, we get into the part of the magical moments that sucked. And in being human, we are going to feel the feelings and we're going to express our feelings. And I'm so glad you're doing a, an episode on feeling those emotions, because I think for so many men and just thinking back, even my own father coming from 
the lineage he came from, the patriarchy as an Indian man coming from India, they weren't taught to feel their emotions. And there was a lot of this repressed and suppressed anger, but that anger only builds in resentment where it's normal to feel these emotions, but to then stay addicted to these emotions, I think that's the problem because we've had no place for them. And to pay attention when we are either staying addicted to a certain emotion because we don't want to climb ourselves out. It feels good. It feels good to live in that resentment because maybe you were hurt at some point and you didn't have the languaging to say, Hey, I really care about our relationship, but that thing that you did, that really hurt me or creating boundaries. Hey, I can't hang out with you as much as I did before because now my kids, they really need my attention after school. And I would love to spend one-on-one time with you. Can we just set something up once a month where we can actually go on a walk or we can actually go for coffee or whatever, because I really want to deepen our relationship. And I think in order to be human and understand that there are going to be certain triggers, there are going to be certain circumstances, there are going to be certain people that are even going to activate us in that way or get us upset and angry. But it's our ego that is coming up as well. Our ego is telling us, hey, we need to protect ourselves because we're feeling threatened right now. That's why we get triggered. That's why that same person triggers you. And it can go into something that you haven't experienced for five or 10 years. But all of a sudden now, you're starting to grapple with that emotion. It's easy for us to bury it. It's easy for us to numb it. It's easy for me to tell my kid to stop crying. It's harder to sit in the discomfort of that pain. Why? I was just teaching in one of my communities and and it's an emotional release training. And one of the students asked, hey, Nita, what do I do if I see somebody that's crying uncontrollably and they won't stop. And I said, wow, that question does not have anything to do with the training. It has nothing to do with how to help that person or what they're seeing. It has everything to do with what that person views about crying and sadness. And so I asked, well, what is your relationship with sadness and crying? Because Why can't it be okay? That person just cries. And it's almost the metaphor that I use. If you've ever been on an airplane before and get seated next to a crying baby. Now, before kids, I was definitely that person that was like, move me to another seat, please. Do not want to be here sitting next to a crying baby. But here's the thing. What were we told about those emotions? I know for a fact it brought me back because I was emotionally aware back to, oh, a time in my life when my dad told me, I'll give you something to cry about. So I couldn't be okay with somebody else's sadness and emotion. And many times it had to be because I wasn't okay with my own sadness and emotion because I was taught that toxic positivity was the only way, my own coping mechanisms that got me through some of the hardest times. And now I invite 
people to actually see it with that discomfort. What does it come up for you? And it's the same thing with anger, by the way. In our society, anger gets a bad rap, but it's not the feeling of the anger. It's the what do you do with the anger that gives you the bad rap. That is the big difference. And I want to say the big distinction. That is huge. Yeah, I had a guest on the show last year named Claude Silver, and Claude has a really cool role for Gary Vaynerchuk. She is the first chief heart officer that has ever existed in a company, and her role is to weed out toxic positivity by bringing in emotional optimism, which is a lot of what you just talked about. And I want to jump to part two of your book. You've mentioned it a a couple times, but it's all about bounce factor and what makes you bounce. And we've been talking about a number of these things throughout the interview, which are your upbringing, your current environment, emotional capacity, which we just covered, and self-awareness. And one of the things I talk a lot about on the podcast is the importance of our daily choices in achieving long-term aspirations. And I recently interviewed Rachel Hollis, one of your neighbors there in Austin, and Dr. Benjamin Hardy. And in both interviews, we talked about how our future self defines our present self so much more than our past. Why do we need to use this bounce factor as a way of looking forward and navigating what we want our future self to be? Yeah. Oh gosh. I love this question. And you're such a great interviewer, John. I think many times, if we don't want to get stuck in the same circumstance, as you talk about passion struck, right? Passion struck gives people a North star. It gives us a North star to what we are working towards. And I can talk about how do we manifest the things that we want in our life as well. But it starts with, well, if we are even turning a new leaf because something sucked. That's why the book is called That Sucked, not This Sucks, because this would imply that we're still stuck in the suck. It's That Sucked to give reverence to whatever did suck in the past and to acknowledge its presence, to acknowledge that it wasn't pleasant, but to also say, hey, what's now what? What are we going to do next? We're going to paint a picture forward. What is that next step? What is that now what going to look like for you? And in order to build that foundation, the bounce factor is your building block. And in saying that sucked, now what? You're also building your muscle of radical self-awareness because in the radical self-awareness piece, you're also saying, okay, yes, I am committed to my own growth with whatever that looks like. And I'm going to embrace the challenge and I'm going to embrace the messy and I'm going to embrace the chaos all at the same time. But really what I'm doing is practicing my own inner awareness, my own inner GPS, my own inner guidance so that I'm not going to repeat those same patterns that got me here. I'm going to choose a new reality because now I know better. Only if I choose to pay attention. And that is your radical self-awareness. That is strengthening that bounce factor. 
Okay. And then I wanted to make sure we also covered part three of the book, which is about how can we achieve long lasting positive change in our lives after we recover from setbacks and you introduce a fly forward framework. And I was hoping that you could discuss the five stages. Oh, yes, because once we've been through some sucky moments, what are the chances that we're also going to be going through sucky moments again? Well, 100%, because we're human, we're in this human experience, and guess what? No one's immune, even after you've built a strong bounce factor. And I love the fly forward framework because in the five steps, you can even recognize in your day-to-day, oh, I just had a fall. Oh, okay. Am I judging myself again? Oh, I am. Am I doing the thing that I usually do or am I choosing differently? Am I going to lose it again or am I going to choose something different? So the first step is to recognize when you have a fall. And there are emotions associated with the fall. We might feel hopeless. We might feel nothing's working for us. We might feel that we don't want to move forward. This is when you've actually had something bad happen to you. And it could be a diagnosis. It could be a failure. It could be a setback. It could be an obstacle. It could be a failed decision that you made. It could be a relationship that didn't work out, a job that you got just got fired from, whatever it is, there is a fall. But... The second step is that ignition, the ignite phase, where there's a fire lit somewhere to say, (laughs) all right, get up and we got to make a decision. We got to make a choice. Am I going to sit in this suck or am I going to create a new reality for myself? And the reality can be small. It could be, am I going to beep at this guy who just cut me off or I'm going to do something different? It could be as big as, Should I leave to pursue my passion? Because the same thing keeps on happening over and over again. And then stage three is, well, when you've actually decided to do what scares you, take that leap, do that thing that you love so much or discover what that passion is, you're in the rising stage. And rising is incredibly powerful, but it's also uncertain because you don't know if you're really going to love it. You don't know if you're going to be good at it. You just know that you're curious to this new reality. You just know that you're curious about creating something of meaning that you love and without any expectations because you're curious, but you might be reserved. You're curious, but you are just accepting where you're at right now. And the dichotomy of two opposing emotions can exist because it is scary. It is uncertain, but it's also exciting and it's also magical and it's also fun to not take yourself so seriously. And then stage four is that magnifying. When you know you are confident now in this new reality, you know that you're doing more and more of your passion. You don't know yet if you want to make it a full-time thing, but you're like, hey, this is now something that I want to teach other people. And you're almost wanting to give back in some way. And stage five is the thriving aspect. Now, in thriving, you are setting yourself up with new habits, with rituals that support you, with a community that supports you, and as well as you knowing that you might have a fall again, but your fall won't be as bad. It won't be as deep because you've already been practicing these tools so that you can fly forward. Well, thank you for going through that. And I'll ask you one last question. And that is if a listener would like to know more about you, you've got a great podcast as well as the books are everywhere and your personal site. Can you share some of those things? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, come to thatsuckednowwhat.com. I have a special offering for your audience and for those listeners who want to deepen your just commitment to yourself in this healing journey, wherever you are at, when you buy the book, you actually go to thatsuckednowwhat.com or you can go to Amazon and grab it as well. But you also unlock the free 44-page digital guidebook that is chock full with basically a whole process. And a lot of the tools that we were talking about today, John, we just go a little bit deeper. We have prompts, we have journal entries, and it is the best tool that anybody can use to accompany the concepts in the book because we go much deeper there. It is color coordinated as well. And it's just beautifully done to support your evolution as well as a five-day fly-forward healing practice. And on day one, we start with healing our relationships. And in these are 10 minute audios to create your own visualizations, your affirmations, and basically what you are calling in for, whether it's abundance, whether it's taking brave action or whether it's just centering back to yourself. So that's all for free when you actually order the book at that sucked now what.com. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was such a joy and honor to have you. And congratulations again on your great book. Oh my gosh, John, you are so great. I appreciate you so much. And thank you so much for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed that interview with Dr. Neetha Bushin, and I hope you did as well. And I wanted to thank Neetha and Hay House for the privilege and honor of having her here on the show. Links to all things Neetha will be in the show notes on passionstruck.com. Please go and check them out. And use our website links if you buy any of the books from the authors that we feature here on the show. It helps to support the show. Videos are on YouTube at John R. Miles and also on Passionstruck Clips. Advertiser deals and discount codes are in one convenient place at passionstruck.com deals. Please support those who support the show. I'm on LinkedIn and you can also find me at John R. Miles, both on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to know how I book all these amazing guests, it's because of my network. Go out there and build yours before you need it. You're about to hear a preview of the Passion Struck podcast interview I did with Rory Vaden, the co-founder of the Brand Builders Group and the world-leading expert on the psychology of leadership and influence. Rory's first book, Take the Stairs, is a New York Times bestseller that has been translated into 11 languages. Rory writes and speaks about how the key to building a rock-solid reputation and to success in anything is to do the right thing even when you don't feel like doing it. It is understanding what personal branding is and what it is not. Personal branding is about the problem you solve in the service of other people. It's about service. It's not self-centered, it's others-centered, right? It's not self-actualization. What you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs talks about self-actualization. I think Maslow missed it. I think Maslow was run rung short. It's good to become all that you're meant to be, but there's a level beyond that, which is becoming everything you can be in the service of others. That is a level of power and a depth of fire and passion that is non-extinguishable. The fee for this show is that you share it with family or friends when you find something insightful or meaningful. If you know someone who's dealing with trauma or overcoming obstacles, definitely share today's episode with them. In the meantime, do your best to apply what you hear on the show so that you can live what you listen. And until next time, live life passion struck.